Hey, everybody out there in the hinterlands. Rock here rolling solo to bring you a few tales of terror while my co-host Max is crushing the books and marathon times. As I mentioned in the first episode of our Halloween bonus tales, uh, Max and I wanted to drop a couple of extra episodes of spookiness during Halloween. Tis the season, after all. And if you listen to our Lechuza episode or the first episode of Rock's Tales, you'll know that I grew up in South Texas in a house and a neighborhood that, shall we say, had some odd goings on. Also, a super large, very creepy cemetery was visible from my front yard. Add in dogs howling at night, odd whistles in trees, and the obligatory ghostly lady in white walking the halls of the house I grew up in, And you get the perfect place for a kid to gain a lifelong love of the supernatural. And though I can look back on it fondly now, there were several times when I was genuinely taken aback and frightened by some of the occurrences in my old neighborhood. And that's what this second Halloween bonus episode is about. Again, me spinning a few yarns while Max is out running. He'll be back next week as we drop another episode for you lovely listeners. So get ready, sit back, crack open that pumpkin spice lager... Hunker down and wait for the great pumpkin to arrive. He'll be here any minute. Now these stories sit close to home, literally. Both of these tales involve my mom, who's had an interesting life when it comes to the paranormal and the spiritual. In fact, much of my love of the supernatural comes from her. She used to take me with her when she visited curanderos and tarot card readers, made sure that I didn't get ojo from people, performed limpias with eggs with my tias when I was sick. She was definitely a believer in dark and a light side of the universe. Now, when she was young, she was a bit of a clairvoyant. And it actually scared my abuelo, or my grandpa. And it scared him so much that he sent her to a convent for six months. But let's backtrack and talk about the events that led up to that. First off, mom comes from a large family. Single parent family with seven kids total. Four girls, three boys. And she was third to youngest. So a ritual they had at breakfast, when there was breakfast to be had because there were times when food was scarce. But the morning ritual was for the kids to talk about their dreams at the table. So, as it happened several times, my mom's dreams hit close to home. She dreamed things, and lo and behold, they'd happen. Two events figure prominently in family lore. Here's a first. My aunt, Metia Jane was the oldest in the family and had recently eloped, uh, much to my grandpa's chagrin. But one morning, it's mom's turn to speak of her dreams, and she's eight or nine at this time. And she says she dreamed that Janie was coming to visit today with her new husband in a shiny red pickup truck that they had just bought, and they're going to bring over a gigantic watermelon to share with the entire family. Now, of course, that sounds great to a bunch of kids, right? Watermelon on a hot summer day? You wish her older siblings teased. But the thing is, it happened. Just as mom dreamed. Yeah, Janie came home in a brand new red truck they had just bought. And yeah, she and her husband brought a watermelon to share with the family. 
The next story is what made my abuelos and mom away. So Gramps worked for the city, maintenance, landscaping, is a jack of all trades, that sort of thing. Well, one morning mom wakes up and she's frightened. She had nightmares. She says that she dreamed that grandpa, her dad, was going to cut his right ring finger off with the lawnmower he used for work, that he was going to have an accident, and she begged him to stay home. He only laughed and said that he needed to work, that they were lucky that he had this job. So off he goes. But when the kids come back from school, he's waiting in grim silence in the living room, his hand bandaged up. It had happened just as mom dreamed. His ring finger was sliced clean off in a work accident. Not long after that, she was sent to a Catholic convent for over six months. My grandpa was scared. He thought her premonitions were an evil thing. And when mom came back, her dreams were never the same. The premonitions, the dreams, they were gone forever. Now, did the nuns pray the gift away? Who knows? But a gift is what my mom thought it was, even at that young age. And it never scared her. And to this day, she regrets no longer having those vibrant, lifelike dreams that gave her a small glimpse of things to come. Now, as I said before, we're going to stay on this familial tangent, so bear with me, dear listeners. And also, as I said earlier, my mom was uh, from a single-parent family. Her mother, my grandmother, had passed away when mom was only five. And she has vague recollections of her mother as warm and kind, but she was so young at the time and so much time has passed that she doesn't remember much else about her. So this tale revolves around my grandma, the grandmother that I never met. I'll try to keep this convoluted story of betrayal and black magic as clean and concise as possible. So listen closely. This story starts in the late 1920s in South Texas. My abuelo, my grandpa, a young, handsome man, and he was much sought after in the small farming community that he lived in. His older brother Samuel had recently gotten married to the oldest daughter of a prominent local family. And the new bride's younger sister had eyes for Gramps. But for whatever reason, he had no desire to follow in his older brother's footsteps. No matter how much he was cajoled, sweet-talked, or bullied by his older brother Sam, Grandpa wouldn't relent. He wanted nothing to do with that family. Besides, he told his brother, I have my eyes on someone else. And yeah, that someone else was my future grandmother. Cutting to the chase, Gramps saddles his horse up, heads to the local shindig, sees her, and introduces himself. Yeah, I know who you are, she tells him. And since things moved pretty quick back then, soon they were engaged and a wedding date was set. Everyone was happy. The couple, their friends, their families. The only folks that weren't happy were Sam's new in-laws. They viewed the wedding and the engagement as a slap in the face. And their youngest daughter still pined for Grandpa. Never mind that in a week or so, he would be a wedded man. So they did what any loving parents would do. They resorted to black magic. Now in this small town lived a woman, a witch, people called her, a bruja. But she was a foreigner, and she lived alone. They called her the Dutch woman. You came to see her if you wanted to curse someone, if you wanted dark or nefarious things done to them. Grandpa's brother Samuel went with his new in-laws to see the Dutch woman. 
and together they concocted a plan to remove my grandmother from the picture once and for all. The wedding day came, and everyone brought food and drink. And one dish was made especially for Grandma. She was to have the first taste, and according to family lore, it was some sort of rice dish. So after the ceremony, the celebration amid the dancing and music, Grandma was asked to have the first taste of this dish. It was made especially for her by Samuel's in-laws. So she tasted it, and it was amazing. So she had a few more bites, and the party continued. But that night, Grandma wasn't the same. The vibrant young woman at the wedding seemed to be wilting before Grandpa's very eyes. He calls in his family, and just as they enter the room, her eyes roll back into her head, and she begins convulsing. He has no clue as to what might be wrong. The convulsions stop, but Grandma is not the same, staring at nothing, unable to communicate, almost in a vegetative state. Now, this is not the life Grandpa had in mind when he married his new bride. But he knows she's in there, that the young woman he loves is in there somewhere. He just needs to help her out. Now, he speaks with his family, and they agree that she needs help from another source. A higher source. Doctors aren't helping. They need spiritual help. They need a healer. They need a curandera. And a curandera, for those not in the know, is kind of a healer. Someone that practices white magic. And word had spread that there was a powerful one in the small town of Charco, Texas. They only needed to find her. Gramps hitches the horses to his wagon, loads Grandma in, brings his mom and his dad, and his brother Sam, and they begin the long journey to Charco, Texas. They arrive in the evening and realize they have no clue where to look. They don't even have a name. To their surprise, an old man appears on the side of the road waving at them. Grandpa said he looked like a poor field worker, torn clothes, dark from too much sun, but a kind, smiling face. He waves and smiles and simply points down the road to a small, humble house. The person you're looking for lives there, he said. They thank the man and begin heading down the road. Grandpa looks back, wanting to wave at him once more, the kind stranger. And he was shocked as he was gone, vanished. Now my abuelo was an honest man and he said there was simply nowhere for the guy to go. He was just gone. So who was he? Some angelic being sent to guide them on their way? Some divine messenger? That's for you to decide. They stop in front of the small house and as they do, a tiny elderly woman walks out of the front door and tells them to stop, to leave her in the wagon for now. I've been expecting you, she says. Before you bring her into my house, we must talk. Grandpa assumes she wants to talk money, so he takes out his wallet. She waves him off, and with eyes of steel, she glares at Samuel, Grandpa's brother, and points at him accusingly. This was your doing. You knew, she said. You were part of this from the beginning. This was your doing. Everyone is confused. Grandpa's parents, Grandpa... Samuel denies the old woman's accusations at first, saying he had nothing to do with this. Grandpa defends his brother, but the old good end that his gaze is too much for Samuel, and he breaks down crying, saying it was not supposed to happen like this, asking for Grandpa's forgiveness. But before Gramps can answer, the old good end that tells him he'll make amends soon enough, and orders him to bring Grandma in now. 
They do, and in the old dirt-floored house, they smell spices and see pictures of saints and Jesus all around. Lay her down, she said firmly. She looks at Samuel. You hold her legs down and don't let her thrash about. She looks at Grandpa. Hold her shoulders. So the old woman begins to root through jars, pulling up powders, herbs, and liquids. She grinds them in her molcajete, creating a paste, and opens Grandma's mouth, putting some in and making her swallow. Now the work begins, she says, grim-faced and determined. She starts praying over Grandma, who immediately begins thrashing. Abuelo and his brother hold her down as best they can while the good ender prays over her. Grandpa later said he couldn't believe how strong she was. The curandera fans her with leaves of plants and herbs and prays more. This goes on for several hours before it abruptly ends, the room going silent. And then Grandma opens her eyes and sits up slowly. She sees Grandpa and smiles. I feel like I've been in a dream, she tells him as she hugs him. The curandera stands wearily up and raises her arms in triumph. La hice comer sal, she crows as she begins dancing in her little house. I made her eat salt. She shouts it several times. I made her eat salt. Now, I made her eat salt is an old expression. And it basically means I've turned the tables on you. That the roles are now reversed. The next morning, they found the witch, the Dutch woman, dead. Before Grandpa could get too happy, the old woman sat down near his wife. The curse put on your wife is powerful. She has to stay with me for a while before she can go back home with you. And that place, the land where this happened, is poison for her. She can't go back for 20 years, or she will die. But that's our home, Grandpa protested. The old woman looked at him. Find a new home. Time passed and Grandma recovered. She left the Curandera's house after three months and began her life with Abuelo. And soon they would have their first child, my wonderful Tia Jane. And more kids followed soon after. Seventeen years had passed and all was well. And Grandma was pregnant with her eighth child when her own mother, who was ill, came to visit. Now, the family still had the ranch where the wedding took place. Only Grandma and Grandpa had never visited since then. But for whatever reason, and the details are sketchy, Grandma's mother was unable to visit her at their place. She was staying there. Maybe space was an issue, who knows. But that's where she was. And she wanted to see her daughter. Grandpa was against it and said he didn't think it was a good idea. Grandma disagreed. It had been almost 20 years she protested and I feel fine. And she really wanted to see her mother. She made a deal with him. We'll go to the ranch, but I won't go in the house. I'll stay on the large veranda on the outside and mom can come out and visit with me and we can sit. Grandpa reluctantly agreed. And so they visited the ranch. My grandma setting foot on the land the curse had originated after 17 long years. And she visited her mother on the veranda and they had coffee and tea and they never set foot in the house. Grandma passed away the next day. Now, the doctor said it was due to complications from her pregnancy. And... Who knows? Maybe it was. Or maybe it was the remnants of a curse cast almost 20 years before. Mom believes it was the latter. I suppose it all depends on your point of view.
So guys and gals, that's going to do it for this short Halloween bonus episode. Thanks a million for hanging out with me while Max is out crushing it. And uh, we really can't say it enough. If you enjoy what we're doing here at Nightmares and Daydreams, please search us out. Give us that five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever podcast platform you use. Take that minute, tell your friends, and pass us around. Say hi to us on Facebook, throw a few tweets our way, and visit our website at nightmarespodcast.net. The music is, as always, by the beautiful and talented Teresa Joy. Find and follow her at Viobrite, V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E, on Facebook and the Gram. And as always, sweet dreams. <laughs>